in a world where you have a totally awesome character that no one has ever seen and can't even imagine, there's Hero Forge. Hero Forge makes the character in your brain a character in your hand and on the table. Oh my god, it's Bugbear Grills! If you want an awesome Hero Forge mini, go to heroforge.com slash RPGbot. Do it, you nerd! Welcome to the RPGBot.podcast. I'm Randall James, your Scutopic Scallywag, and with me is Tyler Campstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Guys, I have a, I have a bit of a confession to make. Oh, no. I'm, ter- I'm terrified of the dark. I don't want to go out when it's dark. Do I have some way to see in the dark? Tell me, please. <laughs> I just said I could see in the dark. Okay. Well, <laughs> is, then is that what Skeptopic me. means? Skeptopic, yeah. You have night vision. Oh, I learned a word today. Yeah, that's what we're here for. It really well, isn't that what we all came. <laughs> well, Ash, you live in Southern California, so I'm pretty sure darkness is a myth. So you should be okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other, th- I, the other way I could have gone was my vision is bad because I wear glasses, and I'm the only one mm. on this podcast besides Dan who wears glasses. Uh, oh, 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 boy. No, I am blind. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I never blind. see you wear them. I, 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 because they don't make them thick enough to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for all the connoisseurs of contact lenses out there so i wear a minus eight and a half jeez wow yeah uh it's pretty bad it's and I, it, I, I only need glasses for distance vision uh i can see up close in perfect detail exactly from where i'm sitting to my computer screen Cool. That still is not. That still is not good for your eyes, man. Probably not. <laughs> Luckily, RPG Bot doesn't spend all day long staring at a computer screen. Yeah. Luckily. <laughs> well, uh, so, blindness aside. Yeah. Well, what's happening tonight? Well, tonight we are going to talk about the mechanics of light and darkness. So Ash suggested this one back in the episode about fire, and uh, I really liked the idea. So I got, you know, I started digging and um, there, there's a lot of things here. Like I played a lot of d and I've played a lot of Pathfinder, I've played a few other things. There are a lot of mechanics here that a lot of people get wrong repeatedly. Tonight we're, you know, we're going to explain the basics. We're going to go through it. We're going to explain the details. We're going to hit some like weirdly common edge cases and talk about how to handle them we're gonna have a good time and then uh, you know towards the end maybe we'll give you some advice about how to use light and darkness to your advantage so i'm really glad that we're doing this episode because I'll, I'll admit i am a terrible gm occasionally my players will be like oh by the way my character has dark vision and usually my response is i don't care <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna spend three weeks underground with no torches everything's fine whatever i don't i don't want to deal with that come on yeah as someone who uh one of my main recurring campaigns that i run occasionally is a world where there is no sunlight and the world is in perpetual darkness this is a very important episode for me so (laughs) yes i would like to talk about this 
Well, I'm about to inflict a game of Shadow Dark on our uh, regular group. So, you know, we're, we're all preparing for some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So so let's jump right into it. Uh, we're going to talk about first the levels of light, because this is like a very, very important mechanic. Depending on your RPG, these may be defined different ways. We're going to focus primarily on 5e and Pathfinder, because that's what most people are playing these days. First and mo- most obvious one, sunlight. Have you guys ever been in sunlight? Yeah, try it's not cool. to. It's quite it's nice. nice. <laughs> Although here in LA, it gets to be too much sometimes. So when I mm-hmm. come out of my apartment, which is constantly shaded, I am immediately blinded. It's great. <laughs> uh, I know that feeling. Less often well, in Michigan, though. I'm a. Uh, <laughs> I am a ginger, and you can measure how sunny the weather has been by uh, how many spots are on my arms. <laughs> All right. So sunlight is just what it oh, just what it says. It's sunlight. It is light from the sun, or very occasionally from a spell that specifically says this light is sunlight. Like generally, whether or not something is sunlight only matters for vampires and like fungi and a couple other things. The thing you hear about more is bright light so uh think of some things that can provide bright light gentlemen any light that you turn on in your room that allows you to like you know comfortably see yeah bright light generally how you would light a room comfortable to read in comfortable to spend time in so next step down is dim light sometimes called shadows so uh this is this can be like the edge of your torchlight, candlelight in most cases, outside at night, even like even on a full moon, it can be light enough to see decently well, but you're still going to have trouble making out details. So, you know, dim light, shadows. If you're home alone, your basement, no matter what. <laughs> Wait, I'm, huh. <laughs> I'm alone in my basement. It's a little shadowy. Don't okay. look behind you. Guys, there's a giant robot head there. <laughs> so this is the first place where the mechanics start to get interesting so if you're playing 5e this is a very very easily overlooked rule because it is hidden in a very very silly place but in dim light you have disadvantage on wisdom perception checks now all three of us have played and DM'd quite a bit of 5e. Have any of us ever applied that rule? Never. No, absolutely not. Same. The only time, see, that's what's weird is like the only time I've implemented disadvantage due to lighting is when there is no light or someone is outside yeah. of your, uh, outside of like your torchlight radius, then I will do it. But <laughs> otherwise, no, because it feels bad it's just like this uh this uh room is a little bit not perfectly b- well lit so you're gonna have disadvantage i think players will not like that hmm. when you know we talked earlier about being blind and so being a person who who literally can't see there's a big difference between can you read what that goblin's t-shirt says and can you see that goblin out there yeah and the fact that dim light kind of treats these it's like oh it's all the same <laughs> well okay so it's only disadvantage on perception checks so it's not it doesn't affect your attacks it doesn't prevent you from targeting things with spells or special abilities or anything like that but disadvantage on perception checks means it's easier for creatures to sneak around um, and when we get into talking about dark vision we'll come back to that but 
Just keep that part in mind. PF2 also has mechanics for this. It applies the concealed condition to anything that is in an area of dim light. So when you're concealed, things have a mischance to hit you with attacks. It's like uh, 20% if I remember right. And then uh, you, since you're concealed, you can also hide, which is very, very important. Yes, actually, that's exactly what I wanted to ask. Let's say I'm in a situation where I would have disadvantage on my perception check. You're hiding, so you would look at my passive perception. Correct. Does my passive perception take a hit because I have disadvantage? Yes. In 5e, passive perception, or, well, passive skills, if you have advantage, you get plus five. If you have disadvantage, you get minus five. Okay, cool. So that makes sense. So it would be easier as a DM to have a creature hide and the character wouldn't know, like I wouldn't have to alert them because I'm just going to do the passive skill check and it's going to be easier because I have minus five. Exactly. All right. So next step down. We all know it. We all love it. We all hang out in it sometime. Darkness. Darkness. <laughs> uh, greet it like an old friend, you know. Uh, so darkness is when there's just, there's absolutely no light or there's too little light to see by. So like if you're outside on a moonless night, like you can see the stars sometimes. Like you might be able to make out silhouettes of things, but like if you can't see your hand in front of your face, darkness. That's interesting because... On full moon nights, it's actually harder to see where there are shadows cast. I don't know how that factors in. Uh, yeah. The mechanics aren't quite detailed enough to get into that. Like the idea of your eyes being adjusted to a light level, not really a thing most of the time. Mm -hmm. PF2 does give a passive, a passing mention. The GM can rule that if you go from an area of darkness to very suddenly to an area of bright light, you might be stunned for some amount of time, but it doesn't give advice on like how long or if there's a check involved. It's it's like your DM, your GM would be doing that as a story thing and probably shouldn't use that to punish you in combat. What if I use an eye patch and as I go from bright light to dim light, I just move it from one eye to the other eye. <laughs> no one would ever do that. What kind of crazy seafaring person? Pirates. Well, yeah. <laughs> So 5e uses the heavily obscured uh, effect. It's not a status condition, but heavily obscured is what you use for uh, heavy fog, like a, a condition where you're not physically unable to see, but where a thing you were trying to see is very difficult to perceive. So heavily obscured is where you get disadvantage on attacks. And in darkness, you can get into the situation where two creatures are fighting each other and both have disadvantage to attack each other. Um, but also advantage on attacks against them because they can't see to defend themselves. So you're just attacking normally in perfect darkness. Fighters. Yes, even, <laughs> even in that case, like you would also actually have to know what square to be attacking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that is frequently a pain. Um, you could reasonably guess a lot of the time if you were in a real fight, there'd be some amount of sound most of the time. If your DM was being kind of a pain about it, they might say, hey, make me a perception check. But like somebody's in like stomping around in armor, waving a sword and shouting battle cries. I can probably guess roughly what direction they're coming at me from. Yeah, that feels fair to me, too. Yeah. Sony's like, oh, you just stabbed me. Then. <laughs> feels like success. Yeah. Unless it's your friend. It's like invisibility, right? You can, you know, the general area where a person is, but you still hitting that area is iffy yeah uh, so pf2 handles this a little differently if um if you were in an area of darkness 
you have the blinded condition with an asterisk. Um, you can still see into lit areas. So that kind of makes sense. Like you are effectively blind if you can't see anything. Um, I don't know of any specific effects that require a creature to have the blinded condition, but it seems like there's room for an accidental like rules interaction there. So I'm kind of like, I, I don't know, feels iffy to me, but it gets the point across. All right. And then the magical special bonus level of light, magical darkness. So a lot of RPGs just won't have this because why would they need it? But in in several editions of D&D, in both editions of Pathfinder, there's magical darkness. Even if you have dark vision, you can't see through it. Usually it's only produced by spell effects. It will come up in your game from time to time if your players are like, ah, I need to escape magical darkness. Or if you if you fight drow, it'll happen. So speaking of dark vision, how about we talk about types of vision? Yes, let's do that, because dark vision is weird. Uh. It sure is. So we talked early in the episode about how blind the three of us are collectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you say that we have normal vision? No. That's fair. No, it's, it, it's worse. <laughs> Luckily, we're playing a power fantasy, and everybody has great vision. 2020. <laughs> Perfect 2020 vision, everyone. Man, uh, back in back in three five, the book Unearthed Arcana introduced uh, flaws that you could take, and if you took two of them, you got a bonus feat at first level or something like that. A couple of the options were nearsighted and farsighted, and they gave you just the most trivial, pointless penalties and bonuses to like search and spot. And then you could get a bonus feat, and you could start at level one with two feats without being a human. It was great. Not at all, not at all a problem for the game. Yeah, I feel like uh, the the quality of your vision is maybe tied to your perception. So if you have really bad perception, you should probably get glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eyes of the eagle, advantage on perception checks. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So we as humans have normal vision which means we can see normally in bright light normally in dim light and then not at all in darkness uh let's talk about dark vision because i'm sure everyone listening to this has heard someone say i have dark vision in response to the dm describing a dark room like players you enter a dark room and you hear a chorus of i have dark vision from everyone in the party except humans halflings and dragonborn yeah my response is usually who doesn't? <laughs> Humans have like this dragonborn. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I say, who doesn't? Yeah. No one. I, 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 if you're playing in my games, the chances are you're not playing a human halfling or dragonborn. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, kudos to the people who do that. But I mean, why would you do that when half elves are just better? than humans <laughs> feats are cool man and you can you can cast dark vision as a spell like you can you can make it work <laughs> yeah uh there's a reason shadow dark got rid of dark vision as a concept like it makes darkness not scary well, yeah. although hey that we can fix that all right so so looking back at the history of D, dark vision used to be called infravision back in like second edition and before if you played the first two Baldur's gate games you probably heard the characters refer to it as infravision because the idea was you could see in the infrared spectrum and see in the dark and like the the rules text for infravision phrased it kind of weirdly because they had to like okay how do we explain this in a way that's not actually the ability to see 
heat sources and like how can we make this let you see in the dark without causing all kinds of problems and eventually in 3.0 they just said you can see black and white you're fine and yeah the the idea of seeing in black and white with dark vision really hasn't changed since 3.0 with very very rare exception uh do you guys remember the elemental evil players companion that came out like super early in 5e i don't know Okay, so Elemental Evil Player's Companion introduced Goliaths, Genasi, and um, a few spells like Mold Earth and Shape Water. Introduced those in 5e, and it was like a digital-only supplement for Princes of the Apocalypse that gave us some new character options. Hmm. Um, Among the interesting things in there, Fire Genasi had a special form of dark vision where they saw things in shade of red instead of shades of black and white. That sounds horrifying. It really does. It had no mechanical effect, but it was kind of neat. I mean, no additional mechanical effect. But they had like real predator vision? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this comes into the issue with dark vision is oftentimes uh, I feel like I, and I I don't know if this has been the experience for you, you both, but I often forget that dark vision, you can only see stuff in black and white and that can become very crucial in some certain circumstances. Like, Oh, this is yellow mold. Probably (laughs) shouldn't touch it. Um, Mm -hmm. but with dark vision just looks like mold or moss or whatever it looks like. And so I think maybe, uh, if you want to make the dark more threatening for people with dark vision, you got to kind of play with the importance of color a bit more. It's not just because I think a, a lot of times in games, players can take it for granted that dark vision means I can just see everything in the dark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Nope. So, uh, And it gets even worse from there. Mm. Uh, so in addition to losing the important detail of color in 5e, um, dim light is treated as bright light. So like your torch is 20 feet of bright. 20 feet of dim so for for dwarf that would be 40 feet of bright light and then darkness is treated as dim light so i I teased this a little earlier in the episode but since dim light gives you disadvantage on perception checks not only do you not have color for like i have found this mold on the ground i can't tell it's yellow mold you're less likely to find that mold because you still have disadvantage on perception checks so exploring a dangerous area in the dark having dark vision helps it does not keep you safe. It is still dangerous to go into a dungeon without a light source, even if you have dark vision. And for folks at home, what happens as an adventurer when I stumble upon yellow mold and I don't know it's yellow, so I rub my hands all in it? <laughs> poison spores, if I remember right. Yeah, you get a lot of poison damage. It's bad. Don't touch <laughs> yellow mold. Um, <laughs> I this is This is the main point of contention for me is like a thing that i have trouble really and especially since i play i tend to run my games on virtual tabletops where you know lighting exact measurements is a thing that you need to pay attention to so my question and i don't know if there's an answer to this is let's say a person has 60 feet of dark vision right and that means that in dim uh uh dim light is bright as you said and dark light uh darkness is dim light so does that mean they have 60 feet of dim vision in a completely dark room or do they have half the okay fair enough yeah yeah they can see like everything is at least dim light out to that 60 foot range got it 
Yeah, um, I was actually playing around in Roll20 today, uh, seeing what the dynamic lighting looks like since I haven't gotten to play with it in a while. They have support for that now. It's yeah, like, it yeah. actually, uh, if you put it as dark vision, it'll actually show up as black and white on the screen. So yeah. that's, that is nice. It's pretty cool. I'm actually impressed that they've made improvements to it. Yeah, it was real bad before, and it's a lot better now. <laughs> so I'm going to pick on PF2 real quick, uh, because in this case, 5e's rules are are actually better than PF2 rules for something. In PF2, if you have dark vision, you just see totally normally in darkness out to your dark vision range. So like... Uh. Like you still see in black and white, but they're like no disadvantage on perception. It's not easier for things to hide from you. Like, yeah, uh, live underground in perfect darkness. You're going to be perfectly fine as long as you never go into a room that's more than 60 feet across. I hate that. Now we're getting it into low light vision. So this is a concept that uh, longtime gamers may be familiar with. People from Pathfinder, you'll know low light vision. If you've never played anything but 5e, this is going to be some scary words for you. But uh, bear with me. So pre-5e, in addition to dark vision, um, creatures could also have low light vision, which was basically, I'm better at seeing in dim light. So elves had low light vision, dwarves had dark vision. Um, in, in 3x, if you have low light vision, you could see twice as far as a human in whatever like poor lighting conditions. So I'd be like, oh, I've got uh, 20 feet of bright light and 20 feet of dim light from a torch. So I can see twice as far in that dim light as a human. So you have 20 feet of bright light and effectively 40 feet of dim light from the torch. Mm which was almost as good as dark vision. It was always like, it's not quite as good as dark vision, but it's kind of neat. And there were very, very rare cases where low light vision was actually better, like being outside on a, on a uh, moonlit night. Um, so 5e completely did away with low light vision, which uh, when I first started with 5e coming from PF1 and 3.5, I, I had a bit of a get off my lawn reaction because I was so familiar with it. But, you know, over time just kind of gotten used to it and really low light vision almost never mattered anyway so it's kind of fine that it went away <laughs> and then uh <laughs> but pf2 keeps low light vision it does actually clarify how it works though it's just you see normally in dim light so now if you're an elf and you're holding a torch and you have low light vision you see perfectly out to 40 feet and then there's a solid wall of darkness that is weird. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But I guess for a rule that I don't want to deal with, at least they kept it really simple. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are important questions, but they are complicated to keep in your mind. So. <laughs> yeah. What, what is that at 20 feet? Uh, it's hard to see. It's all in black and white. Uh, I, I failed my perception check because I've got disadvantage. I think it's an ad. Oh, Lord. So I want to talk about how this works a little bit. I've got one human in my party. We walk into a cave. We light a torch. As a party, how do you handle that situation? Do you always say we're going to accommodate the lowest common denominator when it comes to types of vision in the party? Do you occasionally say, you know what, human? Suffer. <laughs> Hold on to my rope. We're just going to trail you along, and if we lose you, we'll find somebody with dark vision next time. I think that's the big issue, right? Is especially if you're going to be dealing with darkness a lot, like say in a world that doesn't have sunlight. Um, 
you're going to have to consider those options because when you, for instance, in the games that I ran in Middenheim where there's no sun and it takes place largely on a big frozen tundra, if you light uh, a torch, it is like a beacon in the <laughs> middle of everything. So now everybody knows exactly where you are. <laughs> so that can be dicey real quick and it can feel like players are being punished for picking their race which sucks but i think in that scenario they at, at least for the beginning they might have to suffer um if your party values stealth over vision and then you can sort of give them you know the myriad items and enhancements that allow you to see <laughs> in the dark because there are a lot of them yeah. So we just we try to make it again to where it doesn't matter. That that's the goal. Well, I yeah. think there's a resource cost. Like dark yeah, vision I, is I a second level spell, and you only get so many spell slots. Uh, you can get a magic item which lets you see in the dark, but that's another magic item that you won't get to have. So like there is a resource cost to solving these problems in a way that isn't just lighting a torch. So players constantly have to weigh that. Yeah, and this is the main problem with vision, at least in 5e, or dark vision, I should say. It's so common that to not have it is detrimental to the group. Because you're getting punished for playing one of the few races that don't have dark vision. Rather than what it should be, which should be the exact opposite. Dark vision, in my opinion, should be an exceedingly rare ability that only a few races get. Because then... Everybody is on a normal playing field except for the one guy who has the bonus. And suddenly <laughs> you don't feel like, like the load. Suddenly the dark vision guy feels like he offers something invaluable to the team. And the rest of them are just like, well, we're just normal rather than, oh, you're the load now because you're the one person who doesn't have dark vision. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it used to be that way, right? You were saying that only dwarves had dark vision. Everybody else had low light vision. Uh, of the playable races, like... My understanding, one D and D, or sorry, O D and D, first edition, A D and D, second edition. It was all like it was very much about those players' handbook races. Um, there weren't racial stats for like you couldn't play a goblin, you couldn't play a full blooded orc, you couldn't like all of those things. They had dark vision because they were bad guys and they lived in caves and wanted to kill and eat you. And then third edition started opening those up as player options so dark vision got more and more prevalent so in the third edition three five players handbook the only races with dark vision were half orcs and dwarves everybody else had at best low light vision and even then i'm pretty sure it was only elves and gnomes and who wants to be so, a gnome <laughs> gnomes can be fun gnomes, gnomes are way more fun in 5e than they were in 3x okay that's fair yeah they're very tossable you get flingers <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Ash, it sounds like at one point they followed the exact logic that you're going for, right? Like there's a couple of things you might take. You're going to get dark vision that way. A view more options where you're going to get low light vision and everybody else has to suffer. If you want my opinion, this is Asher's soapbox. This is Asher's soapbox. <laughs> if dark vision, if you're tired of dark vision, like being the default and you want it to be a bit more special so that it, whenever you say it, describe a dark room, you don't get a chorus of people saying, I have dark vision. My opinion is if you don't spend the majority of your time in darkness, like you're nocturnal or you're underground, you don't get dark vision. I'm sorry, elves. 
You're you're <laughs> you're perfect in so many ways. You don't get dark vision too. I'm sorry. Okay, you get enough. <laughs> uh, but if you want to uh, give what I, I would say is like, well, elves have you know good vision and stuff. If that's something that is really important to you, then my solution is this. You know how you have disadvantage in dim to perceive things in in dim light. Elves don't have disadvantage to see things in dim light. <gasps> I solved it. I solved the conundrum. Ash, Ash, <laughs> you've reinvented low light vision. I did, but it wasn't. It's not like a. It's not like a super complicated thing. Yeah, because really it was not. already simplified. We yeah. didn't need to say instead of a bunch of people getting low light vision, let's just put them all into dark vision, which is so much more superior. Just you yeah. already have it in the mechanics that things that are in dim light are harder to perceive. You get disadvantage, so just give the people. With low light vision, non disadvantage. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know uh, yeah, why I, they chose to do that. I, I liked everything you just said. I also liked something you started to say and then didn't. Like the idea that unless you spend the majority of your time uh, in in the dark, we're not going to give you dark vision. Imagine something like okay, look, there's a, there's a, a time cost to this. You have to spend two consecutive long rests in the dark. And then finally, your eyes adjust. That's not bad, actually, to be honest. Like, because mm-hmm. because five E doesn't uh, have uh, a system in place. Because you know, we say that you're completely blind in darkness, but that's not really true. Like, I know that when I have woken up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom, turning on the lights is actually a deterrent for me because I become blinded. I can usually find my way through to the bathroom in complete darkness. So I think once your eyes adjust, you won't be able to see great, but you'll be able to see okay. So that might be something, but I don't think you should get full on dark vision if you if you rest for two two days in in the well, dark. I don't want to give that. I don't want to give that to everyone. I'm I'm making this suggestion. Even if you have dark vision, if you know, great. You know, your ancestors way back in the day lived in the caves. Uh, you're from town. <laughs> we were in a bar together. There was a fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually kind of like that, to be honest, because that actually makes sense. Because then we don't tie it to race. And instead, dark vision is a feature that is tied to your background. Like, if you hmm. if you spend, if you operate mostly during the night, and uh, maybe your, your eyes and stuff adjust, or we can hand wave it, whatever we got to do. Maybe you tie it to race and background, but that becomes too complicated. I think just tying it to background is fine. For someone who operates in the darkness is going to be able to see better in the darkness than someone who doesn't. <laughs> okay, I'm now imagining a character flaw where it's a human and they think they have dark vision. Oh, God. <laughs> <They've> ju- <laughs> turns out they've just never been in a completely dark space. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I have strong feelings about that. Yeah, I, personally, I still think that's more of an anatomical thing. Like, maybe you could have a feat that says, like, you're adapted to the dark, so you don't get disadvantage in dim light or, like, something to mitigate the disadvantage of attacking in the dark. Uh, there is a, there's exactly one feature in 5e that negates the disadvantage on dim light. It's a totem warrior barbarian feature option for some reason. Um, why is that there? Who knows? Uh, but it's it's basically the only other indicator in the rules that that rule exists. Yeah, I, I guess we're driving at something that's really interesting. So what does the existence of dark vision tell us about the world? Well, the first thing is that there are things that 
occupy places that are completely pitch dark and they still found vision valuable enough that it didn't just like evolve out of them so like there are cave fish and bugs and stuff that still have basically vestigial eyes that no longer function and haven't for generations and they they look like really weird and pale and spooky cave fish you know yeah at some point those fish and their ancestors found their way into somewhere completely dark and eventually they just kind of gave up on having eyes um, whereas in D&D, we've got things like dwarves and goblins and drow and orcs and stuff, and they frequently live in places that have no natural light sources. Yes. So that makes sense for them to have dark vision. Yeah. It's it's really hard to build a building by feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do they have like the cool glowing mushrooms like in Skyrim, though? Yes, question mark. Um, okay, so, th- so that one I'm not 100% sure on, and it may vary by setting. I know in the Forgotten Realms there are bioluminescent fungi native to the Underdark. If you saw the D&D movie recently, um, they do go into the Underdark and go through these long tunnels with these like bioluminescent mushrooms with like uh, jellyfish tendrils hanging off of them. And Jank is like, if the way becomes too dark, you can take my hand. And uh, you know, Edkin gives him a look. Uh, so yeah, the- <laughs> There are canonically bioluminescent fungi in the Underdark. Why are they bioluminescent? No idea. Because Magic. it's cool. Because it's cool, <laughs> Tyler. Shut up. <laughs> Look, they pay well, good but, but money for those actors, and you want to see them. I don't just want to hear their faces. I want to see their faces. Yeah. Wait. Anyway, <laughs> I, you know, I can imagine a symbiotic relationship growing through it, right? Like, I and I'm new to this living in the dark thing and this mushroom makes me comfortable. So I'm going to figure out how to harvest this mushroom. Maybe I find out it tastes good. Maybe I find out I lose weeks at a time. Make me forget that I live in this dark hellhole. <laughs> All right. Getting high on bioluminescent mushrooms. Got it. Um, okay. So, and then you get dark fishing. So here's a thought orcs. You guys have been in this for a little while. Um, have you ever known orcs as a subterranean creature? Mm, sometimes. I mean, they're always in caves outside of town with loot. Yeah. Okay. And there were the orcs of Moria in Lord of the Rings. True. Yeah. Um, it, it, so in a lot of settings, orcs really don't hang out underground a whole lot. Like Forgotten Realms definitely live on the surface. Um, Galarian mostly live on the surface. So as far as I can tell, dark vision literally, literally on orcs is just because Tolkien's orcs were sensitive to sunlight. Like Mordor yeah. was always dark. Battle of the Five Armies, they had to have uh, cloud cover from an army of bats. So yeah, dark vision stolen straight from Tolkien. That would make sense if they had an if they had uh, what was it a uh, light sensitivity like Drow have, but yeah. they don't. No. <laughs> yeah something got lost in translation there yeah yeah orcs don't get dark vision sorry orcs <laughs> unless you're spending most of your time underground you don't get dark vision. <laughs> <sighs> all right so i want to call out something interesting about a few creatures with dark vision like we're very familiar with the things that have 60 feet of dark vision you know dwarves elves etc now there are some things with better than that notably drow in in 5e at least have 120 feet of dark vision now what excuses can we come up with to justify that 
they spend their time exclusively underground, I guess, in the deepest parts of the Underdark. But that doesn't make sense because the logic falls apart because so do dwarves. Yeah. It just goes back. I think it just goes back to the elves are better at everything. <laughs> I, I, I know people like elves. Elves drive me crazy. They're just hmm. like, we're better at everything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're humans, but better. <laughs> Stealing from Tolkien again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so my theory on this is things with greater than 60 feet dark vision are predators. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because if you're if you're in an area of total darkness, like say you're in some kind of open cave system or something, you have 60 feet of dark vision. So, like, you can only see 60 feet in any direction, and that is your sphere of relative safety. If something can see you from further away it can stalk you it can hunt you from outside of your dark vision range drow like you know the historical lore men's or brands and drow in uh, forgotten realms uh generally not great people would frequently hunt other humanoid creatures for sport you know bad guys predatory live in the dark 120 feet dark vision do illithids have dark vision? I believe they do. Um, I don't think they have like any better than anybody else. But hey, let's look. Because that's a good question. Because if they don't have enhanced uh, dark vision, your theory falls apart. <laughs> well, don't they just use their brain power to like? They don't have to stalk you. They can use that's magic that's and valid. mind magic to just eat your brain. They that's have fine. 120 foot dark vision. Oh, okay. Then you're right. <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. We're they, done. They also have 120 foot telepathy. So not only can they stalk you at great distances in the dark, they can also verbally harass you without talking. Well, they can also sense your brain waves. So they don't really need to there you know go. exactly where you are. They, they don't even need to see you. They know where you are as long as you're thinking. Yeah. So, uh, so that spell daylight that everyone takes a look at and is like, why would I ever cast this? It doesn't produce actual daylight. Well, it produces 60 feet of bright light, 60 feet of dim light that gets you out to 120 feet. So you can spot those drow. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so let's talk about some more advanced stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to hit on a couple of things that have come up for me in my long history with these games that Please, I've seen. Yeah, the, <laughs> these have come up in so many online discussions and the answers are never satisfying. Nope. All right. So let's talk about silhouettes. I am in an area of darkness. Like let's say, let's say I am in a long, perfectly dark tunnel. An enemy of mine that I am fighting, let's say is also in darkness somewhere in this tunnel straight ahead of me. And there's a light behind them like it's far enough back that it's not illuminating us it's not illuminating my enemy but i can see the light source and i can see the silhouette of the creature i'm fighting against that light source how is this handled mechanically uh silhouettes don't exist in 5e done done yeah that's that's <laughs> the answer and that's the yeah. disappointing people answer. don't cast shadows shadows are monsters they create other shadows <laughs> we had the war of the shadows where we killed all of the shadows and now we're peter pan running around <laughs> with no shadows there's no shading in this world there's light there is darkness and no in between if you want a non-cop-out answer i feel like this is something that 5e can't really handle but i think pathfinder 2 can Okay. I think because you know there's there's the concealed and the hidden. 
feel uh, features or conditions that people have. I would say that this person, that these per people would be concealed. So you know where they are, you know the general area where they are, but the, you can't see them. So I feel like that that works actually pretty well for silhouettes. And I think that's one of the things that Pathfinder 2 does really well in that respect. Handling it with 5th edition, I don't know <laughs> what you could do, honestly. There's just no feature that deals with this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what would really be happening in real life. Uh, if you know what the creature is, like let's say you know it's a human proper, you know about how tall they are, you should be able to estimate the depth from you. You would instinct instinctually be able to do this uh, and potentially isolate within like 20 feet. So if I'm casting with a spell, I see you, I have line of sight to the target. I think we have to let you cast your spell. We agree? Um, yeah, I honestly, as a DM, I think I'd allow it. Now, would you impose disadvantage on an attack? On a spell attack? I wouldn't. Oh, but with a weapon attack, you would? So that's what I was getting to, is mm. that, yeah, like, let's say I'm trying to hit you with a bow, and you're 20 foot off. Okay. You know, pl- plus or minus 10 feet in your estimate of where this object, uh, where this creature is that you're attacking, because you can't quite judge depth due to the, the poor lighting. I think I would make you roll with disadvantage. Okay. Um, personally, I think I'd apply disadvantage in both, cl- in both cases. I think how I would handle it is like, you know what square the creature is in. I'm going to treat it as though you can't, quote unquote, see the target. So you can't target them with a lot of spells, but you can make an attack at the creature with disadvantage. Uh, yeah, that's how I'd rule it, too. Yeah. But, would you give advantage to saving throws? Or excuse me, if, if I cast a saving throw spell, would you give advantage to the saving throw? I bite if it was a dex based save, hmm. because that makes sense to me because if it's uh you're still kind of guessing where your target is and uh if 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 you're not right on the money that gives them more opportunity to dodge out of the way but there's a caveat to this i would say that this would only this would only work i would only be willing to give that creature advantage on the deck save if they can see the square that you're cast that you're casting the spell into so like if that if you're dealing with goblins who have dark vision and you don't and you cast it at, you cast fireball at a square and you can kind of see maybe because of the silhouettes the goblins will probably get advantage on dexterity check on dexterity saving throw because they can see the fireball coming and you haven't aimed it expertly but that's kind of hmm. splitting hairs i don't know if i would actually <laughs> do that in the moment but it would be a ruling that i would think would make sense Okay, I, I hear that, and I'm going to... I think that's fine. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. <laughs> I am going to try to justify my own shenanigans a little bit more. So when I think of spellcasting, I generally think of spellcasting as almost like laser line of sight. Hmm. Like, from me to my target, I expect to travel in a perfectly straight line versus most of our range attacks, javelins, bows, crossbows, tend to be more of a lob, and I've kind of got, got to get that angle right. Uh, maybe, having talked this through, because uh, what's the range on a crossbow? Depends. 60 feet, I think. Eight? No, 80. I think it's 80. 80 feet. Okay. So maybe like if you're within 40 feet, I, I would treat it as enough of a straight line that I wouldn't impose that disadvantage. Okay. So at short range, you wouldn't impose disadvantage? Yeah. 
Like okay. if, if it was just outside of your vision, because that's how the numbers are going to work out, right? It's going to be just outside of your vision. It's also mm-hmm. going to be, you know, getting to the point where you've got to, okay, look, I'm going to angle up a little bit. Um, and yeah, that plus minus 10 feet might actually cause you to just, you know, clatter an arrow at their feet or shoot it straight <laughs> over their head. See, this is the problem with fifth edition. We don't have a rule to this, deal with. This is the problem. Uh, <laughs> th- this is one of the many myriads of problems with fifth edition, mm-hmm. which is that we don't have a ruling, a straight ruling to help us figure out what to do in this situation. So now we've made what should be a simple, sl- uh, a simple system into a very complicated system. Yeah. And I hate it. Um, like, yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing against you, Randall, but it's just like, this gives me a headache to think about. Um, it's yeah, like, three are people you, on are the you, podcast, three different you, answers. Yeah. Are you doing it with a ranged weapon attack? Okay. You have disadvantage. Oh, but they're within your first range increment. Okay. Well, we'll treat that as uh, you have, have advantage because they're closer to you that's a nightmare and i hate it and that's <laughs> that's the one thing that i think pathfinder 2 uh, that's one of the things that i think pathfinder 2 does so well is that we can just say they're concealed so let's consult the rules on concealed creatures yeah. <laughs> that's it we're done we're done with that discussion <laughs> okay tyler did we hear what your plan is what are you gonna do as a dm okay um so i'm gonna I'm going to try and introduce as few rules to the situation as possible because I know players, mm-hmm. they will remember this. Whatever I say, they'll remember what I say and they will hold it against me. So I'm going to try and look. It's like telling lies. The fewer lies you tell, the fewer lies you have to remember. So, all right. So you can see the creatures. So you can tell where they are. And that is enough to know their location. And that is all I'm going to give you. You cannot see them, which means you can't target them with most spells. You get disadvantage on your attacks. So like the not being able to see them and not being able to target them with most spells, like that's the protection you get against spells. Um, Area effect spells like fireball and stuff, those are going to work normally because it doesn't matter if I can see them. If I fireball 50 feet in front of me and cover my eyes, doesn't affect fireball at all. Like you can fireball and fire fireball into a room blind and it still works perfectly fine. I will say this discussion feeds into the same issues with invisibility in fifth edition, mm-hmm. because I think we talked about this before, but invisibility is one of those spells that is highly misunderstood by the community yeah. where if you're just because you turn invisible, it doesn't mean, Oh, no one can see you now. No one knows where you are. You were in front of me. You're not there anymore. Where are you? No, that's not how it works. You are still technically visible to people. Like people still know your general area unless you take the hide action. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it runs into that same situation where it's like, we don't have a specific condition like concealed. So there's a (laughs) lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding about how this is supposed to work until we get daddy, Jeremy Crawford up on the forum (laughs) to give us an official ruling. And everybody's like, I hate it. Screw you, Jeremy Crawford. And it's just like, you can't win. You can't win. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The one, like the one time Crawford leans really hard into rules as written over rules as intended is with invisibility, which seems like a weird choice. Someday. I hope I get to ask him about that or who knows, maybe one day he'll just fix that. But Hey, if you want good answers there, check out our stealth and invisibility episode. We'll have that linked in the show notes. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. So I've got one more advanced topic on darkness here. This is, advanced darkness okay so you're both familiar with the spell darkness yes Mm -hmm. yes okay 
Now we're gonna we're gonna have to read the description of these. So give me just a second. All right. So I am standing in an area of bright light. Uh, a spellcaster cast darkness, placing the area between me and another creature. Maybe it's that spellcaster, such that neither of us are inside the area. So it's like me, bubble, spellcaster. Okay. For folks at home, let's read the language of the spell darkness. That way, the rest of this we're able to pull it together and make it make sense. Yes. All right. So in five e. Magical darkness spreads from a point you choose within range to fill a 15-foot radius sphere for the duration. The darkness spreads around corners. A creature with dark vision can't see through this darkness, and non-magical light can't illuminate it. Damn it, Crawford. (laughs) I think I can see some shenanigans here, where it's like, you can't see through it, but can you see into it? I would say rules as intended. No, you can't see into it if you're not in it. Uh, that's kind of the point of the spell. Otherwise, it's useless. Yeah. But so the one thing that sorry, the one thing that breaks all of this is devil sight. Yeah. The bane of my existence. <laughs> devil sight. So I'm, I'm actually I'm reading the card. I'm reading the note that Tyler wrote. I'm excited about this. So Tyler, keep keep going. Okay. So the first the first question I have, like we have the spell description, we're going to do the same exercise for PF2 in just a second. Um, so the first question I have on here is, can I see into the area? So Ash already hit that one. Rules as intended, definitely not. It, you could argue like if I'm looking into the sphere, I'm seeing at least some amount through the space of the sphere. So, yeah, arguably rules is written. You also can't see in. Can I see the creature on the other side of the area? This is an interesting question. So 15 foot radius, right? So we Mm -hmm. have to treat that as a circle. So I would say, I can't believe I have to to do this. You have to do math. If you want to, if you want a perfect answer to the situation where like a person who's on the edge of the sphere will be able to see in a greater radius than the person who's (laughs) in the middle of this uh, uh, towards the middle of the sphere. I hate it. Let's not do that. Okay. I know that this is the math nerd podcast, but no, I'm putting my foot down. Yes. If you want to go by physics and math and geometry, yes, technically depending on your position, you could see people on the other side of the cloud of darkness. But if you want to keep things simple, it is just 15 feet all around. It's like a kind of like a square in terms of like, if you're not 15 feet or higher tall, you can't see on the other side of it. Okay. That's, well, that's my answer. <laughs> for simplicity, let's just assume the, the spellcaster has placed the sphere such that we are looking through the widest portion of the sphere. So it is yes. blocking as much line of sight as possible. So sounds like we all agree. You cannot see to the other side of the sphere. Yes, I agree. 100%. <laughs> Cool. All right. Now, can creatures inside the area see anything outside of the area, assuming normal vision or at least no ability to see through magical darkness? No. No. Perfect. Okay. All right. So let's look at the PF2 version. You create a shroud of darkness that prevents light from penetrating or emanating within the area. Light does not enter the area, and any non-magical light sources, such as a torch or a lantern, do not emanate any light while inside the area, even if their light radius would extend beyond the darkness. This also suppresses magical light if your darkness spells level or lower, light can't pass through, so creatures in the area can't see outside. From outside, 
it appears as a globe of pure darkness. So this one's going to be pretty easy, but it's going to raise another question. So can I see into the area? No. 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 Perfect. <laughs> From outside, it appears as a globe of pure darkness. Very simple. Can I see the creature on the other side of the area? No. No. Perfect. Exact same thing. Globe of pure darkness. Um, and light can't pass through. So yeah. Uh, can creatures inside the area see anything outside of the area? No. Uh, let me just read through this again. Let light this does not, not enter, enter the, the area. area. Yeah, light does not enter the area. We're done. They can't see anything outside the area. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I thought maybe you could read that in a certain way, but fair enough. Yeah. Uh, very simple. Well, okay. You try, and I'm going to disagree. All right. <laughs> so this does raise one super weird edge case in 5e. So it's very explicitly covered in PF2. Light sources inside the area of darkness do not cast light outside of the area of darkness. So, like, if you cast darkness on somebody holding a torch, that torch is not helping anybody outside of the area. In 5e, those light sources still produce light. So you can create an area of darkness over someone holding a torch or a lantern, and they can still wave it around and be like, why can't I see? And everybody outside is like, ah, <laughs> this is fun for us. I don't know if I read it that way. No? I mean, it doesn't yeah. specifically call it out. So technically, that is rules as written, is that it doesn't suppress light sources. So non-magical light can't illuminate it is mm -hmm. super weak phrasing. Yeah. Because I, I understand how you would read it and come to the conclusion that you've come to. Mm -hmm. I would read that and say, well, like, well, if the light can't illuminate that area, then the light ah. also doesn't leave. That like the light is the light is occluded. Yeah, and I would say that is rules is intended. But I think if you wanted to be a stickler about it, that's not what it <laughs> says. <laughs> is that yeah. uh, it just says non-magical light can't illuminate it. And that is so vaguely worded. It doesn't mean it's like... meaningless. I, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It, it doesn't mean like <laughs> I can hold a lantern outside and it won't like cast, cast light onto the darkness. Or does that mean... Uh, the lantern I hold in doesn't cast light for me. I mean, there's so many ways that you could read it. And ah. yeah, I, uh. I, I think the intent there is just to tell people like we realize it's dark. You can't just light a torch to fix this, guys. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm not 100 percent sure if it's a, if it's rules as intended that light sources inside an area of darkness can't cast light outwards. But honestly, I think that's just so much simpler. It makes so much more sense. Just rule it that way. Yeah, it's it's an entire sphere of Vanta Black, the darkest <laughs> paint known to, to mankind. And yeah, just nothing gets out of sight of it. Yeah. Vanta Black? Yeah. Are you, have, you, have you not seen Vanta Black? It is wild to look at. So it is a paint. It absorbs literally everything in the visible spectrum with no reflectivity or diffusion like whatsoever. So you see something, and it's like, oh, that's a banana. And then somebody dips it in Vanta Black, and it's like, that's a void. Yeah, that's a void. That's a banana shaped void. There's when, nothing there. When that, you see pictures of it, it looks like somebody just opened up MS Paint and just cropped a shape out. That yes. is rad. Yeah. Link, link in the show notes. I, I really want Vanta Black Dice, but uh, nobody makes them, apparently. Oh, that'd be, oh that, that would be wild for your death reception. There's just a floating seven here. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I would roll constantly. All right. All right, so let's take a super quick ad break, turn some lights back on, and then we're going to talk about players using darkness.
I was going to say an ad shaped black void. Oh, I like that better. Okay. How do you spell Vanta black? V A N T A B L A C K. Okay. I thought so. I just wanted to make that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That can't be real. (laughs) It is. What's funny is um, apparently they've come up with like two or three other paints that are a few shades darker. What? But like, but like they're brutally toxic. Oh, apparently someone made a Vanta black Ferrari. That seems dangerous. Really does. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Why would you never drive at night? It's like, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> this one guy's holding something in his hand. It looks, it's like an orb. It literally looks like you're right. It looks like someone just yeah. cropped it out. That's insane. <laughs> cropped right out of reality. That's so weird. All right. So let's talk about some darkness for players. So obviously there's the spell darkness. You can put out your torches. Has anybody run into a gloom stalker in any of their games? Um, yes. <laughs> I don't want to talk about yeah, it. Okay? I don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> hey guys, remember the time that everybody complained that Rangers were weak in 5e and uh, Watsy said, hold my beer? Yeah, everybody keeps yeah. saying that. Everybody keeps saying <laughs> Rangers suck. I'm like, play a gloom stalker. No. <laughs> okay. Throw in the optional class features and some of the better spells, and Rangers are perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, people at this point, people play Rangers their entire career the same way that they're playing Rangers at level two. And that's not going to work. All right. But Gloomstalkers, that's what we're here for. So Gloomstalkers have this nifty little thing. Both they get improved dark vision, so like they become the predators, uh, and also they're invisible in darkness well they're invisible to creatures that use dark vision to see in darkness right which i mean if if you don't have dark vision you can't see in darkness also invisible yeah functionally so remember those drow that we were all Mm -hmm. scared of at the beginning because their dark vision can see us wherever now they're at the disadvantage exactly (laughs) yeah and and they don't even know it nope so like gloomstalker really is the predator of the 5e universe mm-hmm. absolutely apex predator <laughs> uh, so so ash your homebrew world famously not a lot of light there uh didn't you, didn't you tell us once that you had to ban gloom stalkers I for did. exactly this reason i banned gloom stalkers it was the yeah. one subclass that i've ever banned in any game and i was like i'm sorry they're gonna be godly in this system yeah. because you're they're permanently is, invisible yeah there is no place on earth that is bright enough to where you're not at least partially invisible yeah. i'm just like yeah <laughs> this is not gonna be good and i uh, i i didn't actually think of that uh b actually when we were creating characters b was like hey maybe you should ban group stalkers <laughs> i was like yeah that's probably a good idea <laughs> way to go b uh, yeah, that's the that's the much more mature version of showing up with a party of oops all gloom stalkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that was the because if I didn't ban gloom stalkers, literally every player was going to pick gloom stalker because yeah. it's the correct choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So so believe it or not, this problem actually existed back in three five. So like this has been around for like fifteen years. <laughs> This specific problem, the Gloomstalker problem, in 3.5, there was an item called the Ring of Dark Hidden that did the exact same thing where you were invisible in darkness to creatures with dark vision. And it was 
one of the most amazing items for rogues. You would get dark vision somehow, you would get a ring of dark hidden, and you're functionally invisible all the time and just go around murdering things. Um, I was once in a very, very short-lived game where I built a character with this, wandered away from the party who was relying on dark vision. I can't remember if I set off a trap or if I ran into something with blindsight, but I went down and the party never saw me again. <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember Dave? Yeah, whatever happened we, we to lost, him. <laughs> we lost him like six months ago. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, actually, there's an interesting question. What happens to the Gloomstalker if they go unconscious in the dark? Yeah, because surely your corpse isn't invisible. Well, technically, again, the distinction there is you're not invisible, invisible. Mm. Uh, if light catches you, like if light touches you, you are not invisible. You're True. only invisible if you're in complete darkness and a creature can only see you with the aid of dark vision. If they're using a light source and they can, and it hits you, they can see you fine. So that's the distinction. Well, I mean, as we know <laughs> from players, everyone has dark vision. True, but light a torch. Fair. <laughs> I feel like what Ash just told you is that your friends didn't look for you. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe should somebody light a torch? Maybe you should shut up. <laughs> oh no, he's gone. I can't find him. <laughs> I looked everywhere. <laughs> oh no. Well, anyway. Um, all right. So thing that players should also think to do beyond just hiding in the darkness uh use lights tactically it makes sense to walk around with a torch so that you can see but you can also use things like dancing lights and send lights floating off other places to uh, distract your enemies yeah another thing that uh people are probably going to cringe at when i mention it is use the spell darkness and uh the reason why i say that is a lot of players are like darkness hurts me as much as it hurts everybody else <laughs> no Here's how you use darkness effectively in a way that you will really anger your DM. I know because it's been used against me. Darkness works like light. You cast it on an object. If you say cast it on your shield, you can carry the darkness around with you. If you spec into Warlock and take the invocation Devil Sight, you can see in the darkness. So you cast darkness on yourself and no one can see you but you can see everybody else uh -huh. <laughs> okay have fun and uh -huh. watch your dm get furious <laughs> oh i'm gonna make this so much worse than it needs to be all right okay so darkness emanates from the object that you cast it on if the object is ever completely concealed it covers the area of darkness so normal light returns so you cast light on a rock and you put it in your pocket. And then when you need it to be dark, you take your free item interaction and you pull that rock right back out of your pocket. It's dark now. So what you can do is you can alternate turns hiding in the dark. Yep. <laughs> you should not be able to do this. This mm -hmm. is not okay. Please don't do this, but rules this written. It's allowed. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that my players came up with that was very clever was that, uh, you know, if a, if a, per, if a creature is smart enough, they can kind of estimate what the, how far to the center of the darkness is and assume that the person who has the darkness is at the center of this darkness. So they'll go and attack that. My players had a way around that. Cast it on the edge of a branch or a stick or a wand and, and <laughs> spend your turn waving it around so the center of the mass is always shifting. 
<laughs> I hate it. <laughs> just just pu- fishing rod. Just yep. end of the fishing rod. Just cast it into the room. Reel it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> the only the only reason this doesn't work perfectly a hundred percent of the time is because you will have fellow party members who don't have devil's sight. But that's easily solved, like what my players did, where everybody took devil's sight except yep. for the one paladin who got so <laughs> angry that he couldn't see that he just casted a fireball on everybody and immediately caused some of his party members to go unconscious. Don't do that. <laughs> just uh, fighting initiate blind fighting, and then you get ten feet of um, ten feet of blind sight. You can be the blind samurai. It's great. There you go. <laughs> All right, and of course, you as a DM. Darkness takes concentration. Mm-hmm. Uh, torches can be extinguished with a cantrip unerringly. Druidcraft, thaumaturgy, prestidigitation can all put out a small light source such as a torch within 30 feet. So just a spellcaster walks into the room and puts out the torch that you are relying upon. Congratulations, it's dark. Yeah, so you as the DM, you can be just as mean. True. Also, superior dark vision. That too. All right, we have a question of the week this week. This week, our question of the week comes to us from ThayerTR. What VTT, if any, do you prefer? And what are your thoughts on the Watsi demo of their VTT? I typically use Roll20. I've been trying to move to Foundry, and what I have played with Foundry so far, I like. I think that it, in many ways, is an improvement over Roll20. It does have a steeper learning curve. So if you if Roll20 has frustrates you with some of its features i would say check out foundry it has a lot of cool stuff and it's very customizable with a lot of modules that you can plug in play into them as far as my my thoughts on watsi demo meh that's about as much as i can say (laughs) meh it looks looks pretty i don't know why we need it and i'm suspicious and wary as to how this is going to go forward because I could see them saying, hey, uh, Roll20, Foundry, you guys don't get to use our system anymore. If you want to play D&D, you got to use our VTT, because that is something they absolutely could do. And if you think they won't, I point you to the OGL fiasco. <laughs> so wouldn't put it past them. Just because they're not talking about it now, they haven't given a straight answer yet. So I am still waiting for that. Also, the other thing is that this is rife for microtransactions out the wazoo, which I also do not like. Part of the thing that's good about Roll20 and Foundry is, yes, you, there are stuff you can pay for that's like makes it really easy and professional, but if I have like a cool map that I found somewhere online, I can just pull that into Roll20 and plop it on, or I can make my own tokens if I just have the time or energy to do so. I don't have to buy their stuff. If you want to do Watsi's thing, you're going to have to buy their stuff. That's simple as that. Yeah, I, I agree with Ash on a lot of that. Um, so, so for the Watsi demo of their virtual tabletop, it looked like a perfectly fine 3D virtual tabletop. So if you're, if you're familiar with uh, Shard or Tailspire, it looks something like that. Very pretty, nice graphics that we got to, saw, got to see. I think Ash is totally right. There's gonna be microtransactions from what they've said so far you'll be able to buy like campaign modules so like you could buy icewind dale and you'll get all of these pre-built 3d maps for all of the things and all the pieces used in those maps you will be able to take apart and use for your own purposes but that means 
if you want to buy more pieces for the 3D virtual tabletop, you're going to have to pay for the pieces in some form. I fully expect you'll have to pay for more miniatures. Like you could buy a monster manual and probably get a miniature for everything in the monster manual. But if you want more and more player tokens, I seriously doubt they're going to let you import your own 3D models. Like a lot of 3D virtual tabletops let you do that now. So like if you're building something in Hero Forge or whatever, you can export it as an STL file, import it into your virtual tabletop. And I I very seriously doubt Watsi's going to let you do that. Yeah. Or they're going to have a licensing agreement with Hero Forge where they take a cut every time you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add on to what uh, Tyler's saying, that is good that they're giving you like campaign modules like Icewind Dale and stuff. That's great for people who run pre written adventures. But according to polls of Watsi itself, about half the player base does homebrew adventures. And mm-hmm. that is not going to be a friendly system for homebrew people. I, I can just tell you right now, unless you're doing like it's Icewind Dale, but different. You're going to have to <laughs> buy your stuff piecemeal. Yeah. I'm going to offer a piece of hope. Okay. Maybe if you've already bought your digital content through Watsi, you get the modules for free in their VTT. We can hope. Or at a steep discount. I think that is incredibly optimistic, but I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like sometimes when I throw things out in the world, things happen. That so is I'm true. Just... You are v- vaguely prophetic when it comes to this stuff. So we'll That's see. True. <laughs> and they do own D&D Beyond, so you no longer have the issue of, like, we have to charge full price again for this because, like, this is a completely separate entity. Since it's, you know, D&D Beyond is now part of Watsi and they're building our virtual tabletop. Yeah, they could very easily make that pricing structure very consumer friendly. I hope they do. Well, and, and I think a lot of folks haven't bought that digital content, right? True. I, I'd be curious to see what the proportion of physical versus digital books out in the world are. Uh, and also to answer Theorarty's original question, a lot of Roll20, a little bit of Foundry. Yeah, it's kind of my experience too. Um, I, I have dabbled with a few other virtual tabletops, not enough to actually play with them. I haven't DM'd a game in a good long while, so like I haven't felt the need to experiment all that much. But I'm about to run a game and spent the past two days on and off uh, playing with Roll20. And they're working on a ton of great new features that I'm actually really excited about. Like They're completely re-implementing their VTT. They're improving the user interface. The, the UI is getting a whole new layer of polish. Like it looks really good. The new dynamic lighting system is way better than it was a couple of years ago. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. But uh, yeah, at some point, I'll experiment with other VTTs some more. All right, folks, that's our show. All hail the Leisure Illuminati. I'm Randall James. You'll find me at AmateurJack.com and on Twitter and Instagram at JackAmateur. I'm Tyler Camps. You'll find me on RPGBot.net, cruising in dark mode. Facebook and Twitter, RPGBOTDOTNET, and most other social media as RPGBot. I'm Ashila. You'll find me on Twitter at Graven Ashes, or you can check out my YouTube channel, Ash Raven Media, also at Graven Ashes, where I just released a four-hour video that delves into dark topics, ah, see, ah. like depression and trauma and PTSD. So that's fun. That is fun. <laughs> if, you enjoyed the- if you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. 
If your question should be the question of the week next week, please email podcast at rpgbot.net or message us on Twitter at rpgbot.net. Please also consider supporting us on Patreon, where you'll find ad-free podcast episodes, early access to RPGBot.content, content, polls for future content, and access to the RPGBot.discord. You'll find us at patreon.com slash RPGBot. <laughs> Good job keeping a straight face. Love that. <laughs> I did my best. Hey, my uh, my nerd card has been revoked. Podcast yes. is shut down. I'm gonna go lie down and cry. <laughs> that feels good. That feels healthy. <laughs>